Hello everyone and welcome to Toronto Rock Total Access. I'm Mike Hancock and we hope everybody is staying safe and healthy out there and we thought we'd do a little bit of a draft recap as well as look back at uh, what was a very eventful summer uh, in terms of some trades and some maneuvers. So who better to talk to about that than the owner, president and general manager himself, Jamie Dowick. Jamie, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mike. How you doing? Not too bad. It has been a while since we've... uh, put a podcast together and there is a lot to talk about there was a lot that went on in the off season so um the draft obviously just went down but i don't want to talk about that right away because there were some things that happened in the off season that kind of set up the rocks draft position for this year and for the coming years and that was uh a couple of trades some major ones that uh, saw some draft picks go out the door the 2020, 21, and 22 first-round picks were moved out, as well as uh, a couple of players in those deals, Alec Tillette and Brock Sorensen, and coming back the other way, Mitch Disnew and Jason Noble. So let's talk about those two deals. Uh, first of all, let's talk about Jason Noble. Two picks go to Georgia to get Jason Noble here. Um, why was this the time to pull the trigger on that deal, and, and what uh, can Rock fans expect from a guy like Jason Noble? Well, I mean, um, you know, I've admired Jason Noble as a player, you know, since he came into this league. And obviously we're very familiar with him being the captain for the Oakville Rock in the summer. But, um, you know, as to why why now, um, you know, it's just timing. It was a timing thing. Jason was getting to a point where I believe he was going to, you know, get to unrestricted free agency um, next year. So uh, I'm sure that was something Georgia was factoring into it and, and which I was kind of taking into account. Um, you know, so that's why kind of now, um, you know, I, the, both guys, and we'll get into Mitch in a minute, but I mean, the reality is, you know, an opportunity to, to add two guys that I believe um, are t- top-notch defenders in this league um, you know, was something that I wasn't willing to pass up. So I think because of the makeup of our team and the age of our team and where everyone's at, um, you know, it, it makes those those three first-round draft picks over the next couple of years easier to, to swallow and accept. Um, you know, if, if the team does what I expect them to do, then those draft picks should be late enough that those players probably shouldn't be coming in here and, and – you know, on, on having a shot at making the team, you know. So really, unfortunately, because of the depth. I mean, that's just the way it is right now. So, um, you know, that that's my thinking with that. And uh, like Jason Noble, um, you know, obviously won Defensive Player of the Year. You know, they won the championship that year. So I think you get a little extra recognition um, for a player like that. But You've been around him. Anyone that's been around him or, or knows who he is and what he's all about um, knows that he's in that category every single year. And and he's awesome, and Rock fans are going to love him. So real excited about that. Well, and he's notably, visibly, a very difficult player to play against. And we've seen that a lot here with the Oakville Rock in the summers, how he's literally driven the other team's best players bananas. Yeah. I mean, Crazy. He, <laughs> I, I, I tell people all the time, like, for me, um, and this not to take anything away from any other players, but, you know, I, I've always found that he's given Tommy the hardest time out of anyone, you know. And, yeah. and 
you know, tough. Obviously, the relationship we've had with him in the summer, yeah. and then we go to the winter, which obviously, you know, your relationship, the summer's one thing, the winter's a whole other level, and, and you know, he, he's a guy that's, you know, really driven me crazy over the last few years. So to, when you get a guy like that and put him on your side, um, you obviously feel pretty good about it. And I think uh, Mitch Disnew probably falls into a similar category of a guy you hate to play against but would love to have on your team. And here's a guy who played against the Toronto Rock for so long as a member of the Buffalo Bandits and then but plays with the Oakville Rock in the summer. And you, you love to have him on your side. And Mitch is a, a different player than Jason but is the same in the fact that he is a drive-you-nuts left-handed defender that – you know, it was clearly an area of need that the team needed to address. So yeah. talk to us about Mitch and just what, uh, again, Well, Mitch is, it, they are very, yeah. they are very similar. <laughs> um, you know, Mitch is a guy that we wanted to draft back in his draft year and, yeah. and, and Calgary. Um, so he had played for the Oakville Rock before he had been drafted. I think that was a little different with Jason because he played for yeah. Kitchener and things like that. Yeah. So, you know, Mitch was a weird one because we wanted to draft him. Calgary took him early, and then uh, just out of nowhere, they they ended up flipping him right away to Buffalo um, without you know me yeah. having any knowledge of that or having an opportunity to get him. So yeah, same sort of thing. We've had to deal with him and 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 everything that goes uh, along with that. Um, you know, I, I've been trying to get him out of there for a while now so I you know maybe persistence paid off but um you know finally uh Chugger and I got you know seemed to make some progress and it seemed like we were pretty close and then it was you know full pedal to, to the metal for me and you know so I come away with it looking at it that you know I, I really truly feel like we had one of the best defenses in the league last year and you know um, with all due respect to uh, Alec Tullett, um, you know, Brock didn't play for us last year. And now we're bringing in Jer- uh, Jason Noble. almost called him Jeremy. <laughs> we're bringing in Jason Noble. We're bringing in Mitch Disnew. And we're bringing in Latrell Harris, who didn't, you know, played less than a half a game for us last year. You know, three what I consider to be top-notch defenders, and, and I know Latrell's got something to prove here, but um, so I'm, I'm, I'm real excited about our defensive uh, depth for sure. And when we look at these two trades, I mean, these aren't guys that are depth defenders. Obviously, they even increase the Rocks' depth on defense, but these are top-end guys. You're yeah, talking I, about I'm, a defensive player of the year, but my question really is, like, when you're going into these negotiations, is it a bit of a surprise even that these guys are even available given the fact that they are arguably those two teams, Buffalo and Georgia's top one or two defenders yeah, on their uh, roster? Listen, uh, they're, they're both a little different to me. Yeah. Um, the Georgia one didn't surprise me. Uh, I, I, You know, like I've been working towards it and I kind of had an idea that this might be the time that that would be able to come to fruition and you know I think it's a good that's a good deal for both teams all things considered Um, if Georgia were to lose Jason a year from now as a UFA they'd probably get you know a first round comp pick um, you know and and so they do it a year earlier and and they get two first round picks and obviously those will be even if we were to win and it was the last pick in the first round they're going to be ahead of those comp picks or that comp pick so um 
the, the, those on those those are the business decisions that teams have to make and you know I feel like we might have taken a little bit of advantage of that situation but having said that I think you know Georgia knew what was going on and I feel they probably feel like they did real well in that and you know made subsequent deals to go along with that as well so um yeah the this new one surprises me a bit it really yeah. does uh you know just because you know and he's and, a bandit like let's <laughs> no he's not now like, well, he's not now he's but got i mean like... i have already delivered him some <laughs> gear um you know listen you know yeah. he he it was like a bad relationship as far as i'm concerned <laughs> like mitch just knew that you know i say people are gonna love jason noble yeah people are gonna love mitch just knew mitch just yeah. knew is uh just a warrior on the floor he'll yeah. log log a lot of a lot of minutes um he's a team first guy he, you know, he, he, he's a great guy off the floor, a smart guy, smart kid, just, just an awesome teammate. So, mm-hmm. um, how do those two deals that, yeah, that one surprised me a little more. Um, you know, I, I kind of know, you know, at least Chugger's reasonings, uh, behind making the deal and, 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 uh, you know, that's not, not necessarily for me to, to, to like talk about but um you know it is what it is they were happy with it we were happy with it um you know time to move on talk about chugger there and uh is it uh easier more difficult what like you know knowing him as well as you do and the fact that he is the general manager of the summer oakville rock team here that plays out of the toronto rock athletic center in oakville is it what how do those deals well come first and foremost i mean yeah relationship with so, him probably than other gms in the league absolutely yeah. i mean chugger and i are, are very close chugger worked for us yeah. when he left to take the job in right. buffalo so um we have a great relationship i think you know if i'm being totally honest with you i think it makes it tougher to deal with him yeah because you know while i keep certain things close to my uh vest uh, he he knows a lot about what I think about guys and you know he knows you know he's got a little more insight as to you know who who on my roster falls in what part of the depth chart and you know so uh you know I think I think it does make him more challenging mm-hmm. I mean obviously we have a good relationship I can pick up the phone and call him and, and we can talk about stuff but you know, we, we, Mitch just knew his name's been thrown back and forth for <laughs> probably three or four years, yeah. if I'm being totally honest. So, um, you know, that doesn't help in those situations. But, and, 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 you know, while we're good friends, I mean, we have that great rivalry of Toronto Buffalo because yeah. when it comes to lacrosse, and and Toronto and Buffalo, I mean, we hate each other. <laughs> yeah. We do. It's a, it's a respect factor and yeah. whatever, but like, I want to beat him so bad and, and vice versa. So, uh, you know, we put that aside in the summer, but, you know, we still, we're still always guarded to our NLL teams, I would yeah. say. At least yeah. I know I am, and I <laughs> can only assume he's the same way. So after those trades are made, uh, obviously there's uh, a bit of a numbers game that starts to develop, and then Dave Brock is uh, sent to Halifax for a draft pick. Um obviously a difficult move because you know he signs as an unrestricted free agent here last year comes home but then you know you end up moving him out to uh halifax for a pick that you know really it's just a 
I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth on this, but you know, from the outside, it looks like a numbers game. Yeah, kind of I, more, well, that was more than e- anything. That, that, hey, listen, that wasn't easy. Uh, Brocky chose us last year as uh, an unrestricted free agent and chose to come to Toronto. Um, you know, I don't. Without getting too much into it, I mean, yeah, it's a numbers game. I would say that uh, you know. Um, He's an older guy too, and and those things factor into it. So, it, listen, it didn't work out the way either of us wanted it to. Um, it was important to me to to send David to somewhere where he wanted to be, and you know we had those conversations during the process um, because he did choose us last year, and he could have chosen other teams. So that was very important to me, and you know Halifax was one of those teams he chose us over last year, and. Uh, you know, in hindsight, he probably tell you he made the wrong decision. But in the end of the day, he's he's landed there on a team that he want he was happy to go to. Uh, you know, because things didn't work out here. So, uh, you know, I wish him the best of luck, and and uh, obviously not when it's against us. But um, you know, that's just part of the business, unfortunately. So that uh, basically sets the stage for the draft here. And, uh, you know, first let's just talk about the fact that obviously this year's draft was very different being virtual and that we uh, did everything here from the Toronto Rock Athletic Centre in the boardroom and, uh, you know, made all the picks here. It was uh, a long night, five-plus hours. Um, yeah. I think they got me – I think they didn't change my screen once too and they got me yawning on it late in the night and someone tweeted at me and just said, we all feel you, yeah. <laughs> Jamie. It, it, it was uh, – I think it was Matthew correct. Yeah. Hey, it, it was a very, very, very long night. And obviously when you don't pick till number 30, and I think that yeah. was three hours deep, yeah. um, you know, it, 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 it was a marathon. So no first-round pick – because that goes in the uh, Jason, well, no, it's Jason Noble. Jason Noble trade. I'm pretty so happy with that at uh, okay, number yep. ten. Yeah. Uh, so then the uh, the Rocks first pick, number thirty overall, TD Erlen, who, uh, for fans who don't know, is basically the most decorated NCAA faceoff man in the history of uh, college lacrosse, and was the number one overall pick in the MLL draft uh, this past year. So he is going back to play. A fifth year at Yale University, but I think I want to go back to a comment that actually you made on draft night uh, in the room, and it was kind of like I thought it was really interesting because and very truthful was that uh, you know teams who don't have a star faceoff guy don't think it's important to have a star faceoff guy, but when you got one, you yeah. realize how important it is. So, and I think that's almost kind of the the I think through probably your almost entire tenure here as the owner of the Rock, right? I think you'd probably fall into that really through the yeah, whole time. Yeah, we've always liked we've always would have liked to have had one. Um, you know, I think the last few years we've explored it a little more. Um, you know, and even come close to a couple things a couple times, but uh, it hasn't played out that way, so uh, the, the, this was the. Op- but you know, we listen. We play in a division with Jake Withers. Yeah. Um, I think if you look back on a game we played against them last year, they beat us eighteen to two in faceoffs, and yeah. we lost by a goal. Yeah. Um, you know what happens if that's ten ten or you know and and listen, this 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 kid's special. So. Um, Listen, we get to pick 30. The reality is our team's really deep right now. We have a lot of numbers. 
Um, you know, were we we weren't necessarily looking for guys to play today. Um, so when when we got to him, uh, we just felt like the opportunity. You know, he he could potentially be a game changer, um, really. And and we felt like it was an area. Um, not that we think Brad, we, we, we like Brad in the face-off circle, but we don't like Brad in the face-off circle because, you know, it, it, it is a tiresome thing to do. And, 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 you know, that probably takes away from him on the defensive end where we think he's an absolute beast. So, um, you know, that, that, that's why we did it to me, the, 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 uh, the high reward level at that, at that point in the draft made sense to us, um, you know, the one thing we didn't have at the time, obviously, because we hadn't spoken to him. So it was a little bit of a blind pick at the time. Um, but we were excited to take that. We thought the risk was worth the reward potentially, and, and we were excited to do that and, and you know, happy to get happy to, that he was there for us. So moving along, uh, you make a trade. That uh, was this something going into the night that you were thinking about making a move uh, to acquire another pick or was this something that as the draft so, developed well, you decided to make the move it was definitely there before the draft if I needed to do it I mean I, I you know to me clearly if you're making a deal at that point in the draft you, you, you've got someone in mind that you're trying to do something with uh, for us that was Phil Mazuka. Um, he's 19 maybe just turned 20 um, you know did declare for the draft early um, it currently goes to Western, taking a double major. So uh, the reality is him going into the draft, you know, he wasn't sure how much, uh, you know, I'm very familiar with him. He, he wasn't sure how much, you know, he, he was really going to play over the next two years. He thought he'd throw his name in the draft. You know, hopefully he, he wanted to land in Toronto, obviously, um, and, and see how it played out. So, I mean, that was – could I have waited to the fourth round and got him? I, I don't know. To me, you know, if he was going to play right away, I think, you know, I do think he needs a little bit of time. He is young, but if he were to play right away, I think, you know, he would have been gone off the board a lot earlier. I think teams were aware of his situation. And, and you know, I also look at it and say, if he were to come out two years from now in his regular draft class, um, you know, I believe he'd be a first-round pick. Uh you know, I've watched him play for a long time. So um, it kind of worked really well for us based on where we are right now and where we're going to be two years from now, not having a first-round pick, yada, yada, yada. So uh, that was definitely a, a, a pick for the future here. And, and, and Phil's going to, you know, down the road, people are going to know that name because he, he can play. Now, when you say you know him very well, that's because your son Josh played alongside him growing up. Yep. How neat or weird <laughs> is that to be drafting one of your son's friends? Uh, well, so it was. You know? It's it's both. It's <laughs> yeah. it's definitely both. I yeah. mean, Troy, Troy Hallchuck last year oh, the yeah, same a little one, bit. Yeah. Like they played Timo yeah. together. Um, Phil's a different story because you know he's also my son's best friend. So yeah. um, you know, so that part was really neat to draft him. Mm-hmm. I'd say now it gets a little weird thinking about <laughs> it. You know, just because it is my son's best friend. Yeah. Uh, you know, having said that, like I said, I mean, I, I think Phil's, you know, a year or two away from really being a part of this on a, on a regular yeah. basis. So, you know, things will change. But, yeah, I'm, listen, um, 
it's great. I, I've watched him play since he was he was Tyke, and yeah. and you know while he is my son's best friend, that's not why I drafted him. Um, you know, he's, my son's got a lot of good friends I wouldn't draft, <laughs> but uh, he he earned he earned that um, 100%. But yeah, it is it is, it is a little weird for yeah. sure. He he just I mean I can remember watching Phil grow up and play with Josh and whatnot too. But I I just think Phil's a dynamic player that uh, like I don't know if you're totally sure what you got with him yet. Like I I just remember watching him up. I I just thought you know he could be a guy who does a little bit of everything for I was you. Just right? gonna say and he's like, a little bit of everything yeah. guy. Like you know he's uh, you know he he's just, he's got speed. Um, he he's got some grit. Like he, he's he's not a guy. You know he'll he'll yeah. do his job on the defensive end checking. You know he'd tell you he's pretty polished in the finishing of the transition game. <laughs> you know I'd like to see maybe he'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know he's just yeah like he could he does he does do a little bit of everything and does them all all those things uh, well. So uh, I think he'll have a chance to you know round out to be a a real nice. And a will player in the future going forward for sure, and and uh, you know, a mainstay back there for us. So in the fourth round, a couple of a uh, couple more defenders and two guys who uh, kind of came out of the junior B ranks and ended up uh, becoming parts of Bruce Cod's 2019 Mental Cup Championship defensive uh, group in Chris Weir from Niagara and Curtis Romancic from Newmarket uh, Junior B. Uh, and then eventually, like I said, just went on to uh, basically finish out their years in 2019 with uh, the Northman and win, you know, a Minto Cup. So no big deal, right? Um, talk about what these guys, you know, w- when we get later into the draft too, like, I mean, this is another thing I think for people to keep in mind is, you know, this draft used to be a lot shorter when there were fewer teams and less compensatory picks. So we're into kind of, you know, I feel like all the time, once we hit like the fourth round, we're kind of into uncharted waters with what you're grabbing and what you're, uh, what you might end up actually with. So what do you think you, uh, you guys have in those two defenders? Yeah. Well, I mean, is it really an NL draft that the Toronto Rock don't draft a few <laughs> Orangeville Northmen? I mean, anyone uh, listening to this is already yeah, yeah like it, it just <laughs> it, it, it happens. But listen, let's let and you're right about that. But but here's what I would say, um, you know, first and foremost, Bruce is very familiar with these guys because he coached them. Yeah, junior B this and that, but they both played for the yep. the junior A's and and played for them in the Minto Cup. Um, you know, Chris Weir was a guy that we we uh, you know almost took a thirty there. If, um, you know, Bruce liked him a lot. Uh, we felt like he flew under the radar because of his, all of his junior B playing days. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Bruce, Bruce said to me that he was uh, you know in the Minto Cup last year. He was a guy that he relied on in almost every situation and and was one of his. Uh, better defenders so um you know listen uh he's very familiar with both of them the reality is you're right they're coming in late they're they're, they're in tough um you know he he's very intriguing because I, like i said you know there was a push to maybe take him a little earlier not that we weren't all on the same page but it was definitely discussed yeah. um you know curtis you know another kid bruce is familiar with he'll come in here and he'll compete and he'll battle and he'll be given an opportunity so um not easy for these guys but uh you know not just charity picks you know though especially those two guys guys were were you know 
very familiar with it from a defensive end and Bruce's defensive concept. So um, they'll get a chance to come in here and compete, and, and we'll see what we got. Then we move on to uh, a forward being selected, Scotty Delzato, who played for the Orangeville Northmen uh, growing up in the early part of his junior A career and then uh, ended up going on to Kitchener and then finishing up with Burlington uh, in 2019. Um what do we expect from uh, Scotty Delzato, who's, I think, come a long way as his junior career has probably progressed here? Well, I mean, Scotty was a – I can remember watching Scotty win midget MVP as a minor. Um, you know, so he, he, he's been a prolific guy kind of all the ways yeah. up. Um, his junior A career probably didn't start exactly the way he wanted to from that standpoint. But I think, yeah, as, as he's gone on his last year in Burlington here – uh, when he got traded there, he kind of showed what he got, what what he's got. And to me, I look at that and say, you know, no different. Um, yeah, there's, you know, not a lot of spots, if any, but there's a guy that to me, talent-wise, shouldn't be on the board in the fifth round, pick 80, whatever. Yeah. We, we took him. He, you know, he can play. He's going to come in here. He's going to come into camp. He's going to compete. He, he can shoot the ball. He can put the ball in the net, and you know he's not going to back down from anything. He's going to play feisty, and he's going to he's going to make the other guys you know work. And so there's no doubt in my mind. Um, you know I think at that point in the draft, you know there's there's a lot of talent there for you know being available. So he'll he'll come in. Yeah, we did. He's the only old guy we drafted, and and uh, but you know he'll come in here and help compete there. Then the last pick, Daniel Balavader uh, from Six Nations, where he finished up, but a Mimico boy, and uh, actually tweeted a great picture after he got drafted <laughs> awesome, as a little eh? guy at the Rock game. And uh, it just, it's pretty cool to think, you know, especially a basically a Toronto kid, you know, getting drafted by the Toronto team is, is a pretty cool story on its own. But just like, that was one of those things where I, I feel like he's a kid that maybe didn't really expect to be drafted and then gets drafted by his hometown team and clearly uh, probably a pretty special, special thing that he wasn't really expecting maybe. Yeah, so, I mean, listen, like let's not sugarcoat it. And, and this wasn't one of those picks because we had no real connection to him. Yeah. But in the fifth and sixth rounds, as we get later in the – you know, as the years go on and the teams increase in the complex, I mean – you know, that's that's where you give a guy, you know, some those guys are real long shots to come in here and even just make your practice roster. But you give a kid, you know, a local kid, wherever you are, you give them an opportunity and you pick the best one you think's available and, and, and you do that. So, uh, you know, we had a couple other guys on uh, on our list kind of around there. And, you know, I know one of them went off the board and you would have probably been yeah, real happy yeah, if it had happened yeah. here. And, and it was going to. But, yeah. you know, I said to Daniel when I talked to him the next day, I said, like, you know, when I saw your tweet, I it made me feel so happy yeah. that we drafted you yeah. with that pick. Because so, you know, but listen, hey. Don't sell the kid short. He can take face-offs. TD's yeah. not coming in here this year. Brad doesn't want to take him. <laughs> uh, I don't think there's any secret about that. So, uh, you know, I, I, I tell them all, like, just just be in the best shape you can when you come to camp. Like, I'm not saying you got to be the strongest guy or this and that, but you need to be in the best physical shape that you can possibly be in when you come in here because yeah. if you're not – you don't stand a chance. And if you are, then then 
just play do 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 whatever it is that you do best and yeah. you know that that's the biggest thing i can tell any of these kids because you know the, the this isn't summer ball this isn't junior a just you know now you're playing with the big boys and and then the, the, yeah. the, the best of the best and uh you know there's no place to hide out there um and if you can't you know if you can't keep up with the the endurance and and the mm-hmm. stamina and and that part of the game, you have no chance. We so, don't want to see you at the garbage can. I was just going to say, if you go to the garbage the can in the first practice or two, that's no, not don't. a good sign. No. Unless you, unless some guys you, battle through it, but yeah. generally not a good sign. No. So I mean, you know, if I if I'm not to jump ahead of you here, no. but to kind of summar up summarize yeah. the the entire class, um, you know, we went into this draft. I don't want to say with very low expectations, but the, we we felt like, you know, we don't have a lot of spots available, if any, and, you know, there's not much that we can really do right now given our situation. We're pleased with our trades, pleased with our guys coming back from injuries. Um, so, you know, and then we come out of the draft and we're feeling real good about it. Um you know, so nothing's changed. We don't necessarily yeah. still have spots, and we don't have this and that, but we feel like we got six guys. You know, four of them coming in this year, and two, you know, down the road, um, that'll come in here and compete and and have a chance, and hopefully put us in a tough position where, you know, these guys can't, you know, have yeah. earned a spot and and can't be let go. So um, that's where we are. I, you know, my. And like I said, I don't. I don't think saying my ex- expectations going into it were very low, but um, you know, I just I, I I felt really good about the way we came out of it, and yeah. and, and the staff Absolutely. did too. So, um, you know, we're pretty excited. So now I'll uh, shift gears a bit and ask you the question that uh, obviously fans want to hear, and I know the answer will probably be that there isn't much of an answer right now. But uh, is there? Any update or anything that you are able to share in terms of a timeline? And we can move on from this very quickly, but I feel well, obligated I, to ask yeah, the question. Yeah, listen, I, I mean, I can tell you I, I don't have too much inside information. And, and at this present date, um, there isn't an exact plan because a lot of it, there's a, you know, a lot of factors in our league that you know, are completely out of our control first and foremost the border and until we kind of know the situation with all those things um you know i i I, I, there's not a lot we can do um if you wanted me to 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 give you a guess where i think we're at um you know i find it hard to believe that the season can start before the new calendar year um, the last few years we've been starting in the beginning of December to middle of December, you know, training camps being four weeks to six weeks kind of in front of that. So, you know, anywhere from the beginning of uh, the middle of October to the beginning of November. So I think at the very earliest, those things would probably start in the new year, January, which means, you know, I think the very earliest you'd see us playing would be probably February. Um you know, do I think March is maybe a little more realistic? Um, yes, I do. Um, but we'll wait and see. I mean, listen, I, I know the league's working on this hard now to come up with with an exact plan. And, um, 
you know, I know we got to be back and be playing, but, you know, the border's a big issue. And then, you know, obviously the the mass gatherings and, you know, what what a potential um, gathering at at the Scotiabank Arena looks like. So there's still a lot of questions to be answered. Um, You know, we're all missing it a lot, as I'm sure the fans are, Um, you know, for all of us that live eat sleep yeah. lacrosse you know um the summer season completely wiped out we're we're while the nll's paused but you know we we're, we're involved in lacrosse on a daily basis um you know now that the draft's back that kind of is usually the kind of the kickoff of yeah. the new nll season so you know summer ball would be over you know now or or just wind it down and and it kind of leads into the NLL season. So now it's going to get a little weird with the uncertainty of of what we do moving forward. But, I mean, just like everything else, I mean, you know, it's crazy times. And, and uh, you know, there's just there's just so many moving pieces with our league that, it, that it, you know, in the current situation makes it really challenging. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we're ready. We're all itching. We all want to get back as soon as possible. Um, we just got to do it under the, you know, we, we got to get a better handle on this whole pandemic and, and, you know, how, how we can move forward because, um, you know, we need, we need to get back into the arenas and we need to get back into the arenas in front of our fans. And, you know, until we can do that, uh, you know, I don't know what the answer is. So Rock City, short answer to that. Yeah, that was be a, patient. <laughs> hey, listen, I'd love, love, love to give you, to we, give you everybody's more. Everybody's got to be patient. I think that's the biggest thing. And um, we're ready. We're ready. Yeah, and this, believe yeah. me, I, I put this team together. Like I'm ready to play tonight. Like let's go. Yeah. I, I'm <laughs> chomping to get back out, get this team back out on the floor. So um, you know, we'll we'll do whatever we can. We're, we're all missing it just as much as you, everyone out yeah. out there. So, non-NLL questions coming up here. This is general sports stuff, professional sports. But what have you thought of basically games with no fans, artificial crowd noise, all that kind of stuff? What have you thought about that, generally speaking? Um, for the most part, you know, from, from being a fan at home watching on TV, uh, I don't really care for the crowd noise and all that stuff, like the artificial crowd noise and whatever. But when you're actually watching the game, um, yeah, a little different. They don't go to fan shots and this and that. But, you know, watching an NFL game, you know, I'm happy to be watching it. And, you know, I would rather be watching it without fans than not watching it at all. Yep. Um, you know, every league's very different. You know, with the NFL being, you know, I think the, the, the league that, you know, can most operate like that um, – you know, unfortunately for the NOL um, and our player situations and everything involved, you know, we're at the exact opposite end of that. We need the fans. Um, yeah. You know, the fans are the fans are the lifeline lifeline of this little league, and and so, you know, I I don't really see that as as a possibility. Um, you know, to think that we would just play our regular season schedule and play it without any fans I, I i don't see that happening so um that's why the uncertainty moving forward and and 
the need to be able to get back in our arenas and yeah. uh, have our fans in there with us. So we'll wrap up uh, by getting some picks here. Obviously, there are a lot of professional sports going on. Let's go. And they are... Uh, just like rapid fire, 20 questions? Well, no, just a few. We okay. just want a few picks Let's here. Have, right? you so, a few picks. Stanley Cup Finals uh, tied up, I guess, as we're recording this. Okay. Tied 1-1. Who, one, who one. you got? Um, well, I feel like I should say Tampa, but I'm going to say Dallas. All right, so you're pulling for a good Georgetown boy, Jason Dickinson. I'm, I'm not pulling. Stars. I'm That's not great. pulling for anyone. If I'm going to be betting on Bet365, <laughs> I think I get better odds with Dallas. I, you know, they seem to be that team. Um, you know, Tampa's scary though. That's it's that's a tough one. Tough call. It is tough because at every turn, Dallas is yeah silenced. Yeah, I mean, I I thought every time they they were going to lose and then they just keep it's kind of like the heat in the nba like mm-hmm. you just keep expecting them to lose and then they're up three one you know so so let's shift to that the nba i know you got a little soft spot for the denver nuggets yeah they're down two one right I, they won last night i barely missed, missed, I, well listen you say <laughs> while they were up but you say barely but game a, two they lost because yeah, the okay, lakers yeah. hit a three-pointer yeah. at the buzzer they were up to so they could be up two one here i guess yeah. uh Oh man, I realistically I don't think the Nuggets uh, are going to win this one. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see them lose and go down three one and come back and do it. That would be unbelievable. Uh, I think you got a Lakers Heat final. Man, tough to bet against the Lakers. The Heat are like the they're kind of like the stars to me though. They, they just they're that team and. Yeah. Usually that team loses in the finals, like the yeah, the clock the straight twelve. But yep. um, yeah, I think it's t- it's tough to bet against the Lakers. All right, and then we've got Major League Baseball. We're moving towards uh, oh, God. the last couple of weeks, and that I'd, is I'd have to pull the standings up on my phone. The Jays, I think, can uh, I think they can. I can. You you want something you can bet? Sorry, Blue Jays fans, <laughs> they're not winning. <laughs> I, you know what? Honestly, I'm completely out of the loop on yeah. baseball. I haven't. Uh, I feel like I it haven't... has been the toughest of the professional sports to follow. Yeah, I don't. I just I'm not, and that wouldn't that wouldn't change if Toronto was playing in Toronto and not Buffalo. Like it's just I, I'm not. Like I saw the other day. I think. Well, because I follow the Rock. I'm I'm a bit of a Colorado sports guy, as you yeah. know, and I follow the Rockies on Twitter and. I saw a tweet a couple days ago saying final home game of the regular season, and I'm just like, what? Like, I knew it was 60 yeah. games, I think, but yep. I haven't followed baseball at all. Um, and I think that's the weird thing because everybody else, oh, 162 games is so long. And then it was like 60 games, such a sprint, but it's like it really I've, I've doesn't followed do it, it justice. I've followed it less. Yeah. I've like, followed I, it less. I, think... I, I find it's tough to – Especially the way it started with all the games being canceled and this yeah. and that. Like I, I like. Well, the, I think a I lot like of people that, thought it wasn't gonna. I play fantasy play baseball out, right? for yeah. something to do, and uh, which we didn't do this year, you know. And I like to maybe you know bet a little fantasy baseball parlay, and and I I haven't even done that. Like I just I'm not into it, and uh, I don't know. I don't know why. I'm not a huge baseball guy to begin with. Yeah. But I did like betting it, so that's why I was kind of following it. But this year is just weird, um, so we've we've just kind of stayed away from baseball. And to be honest with you, I, I I didn't didn't watch a lot of hockey, and I didn't watch a lot of NBA other than the Raptors. 
Um, but that's not unusual for me. Yeah. Uh, I'm an NFL guy. I love to watch the NFL. I can watch that, you know, all time, all day. Uh, so that is normal for me. Yeah. It's It's been pretty normal sports for me um, on the whole front. So we won't ask you to pick an NFL winner, but are you happy with your Broncos? No. Upset? <laughs> no. They Listen, uh, <laughs> you know, we're, we're a team that was hopefully on the rise that's basically just been decimated by injuries, you know, to our yeah. core three or four guys, you know, basically to start the season. So it's going to be a long year. Um, but I love them, and, you know, it's tough not to watch them. It's just painful. Um but they'll get back. They'll, uh, they need to get guys back on the field. You can't, can't. No team can lose their three or four best players and expect to uh, yeah. to win. So it is what it is. But I uh, love the NFL. Great to see it back. And that that's kind of weird. I got to be honest with you. Talk about fans and what. That's kind of weird to see twenty thousand fans in a NFL yeah. stadium scattered out all over yeah. the kind of place. I, I that I found to me it... it's and it's weird how. It's all dictated on your state and yeah. whatever, like that, because because that is an advantage to me. Like if you've got twenty five thousand fans in your stadium, you know, which I think Dallas might have had, they might have had more yeah, th- yeah. versus a team that had none at their home game. I mean, you know, other than maybe my Broncos and and then the altitude and maybe some of the Heat teams, what what's really a home field advantage right now without the fans? Because, you know, one of the big things, obviously, in, in the NFL is that fan noise. And you think about Arrowhead, you think about Mile, you think about all these great yeah. places, you know, even the Bills Mafia and, like, yeah. just all the crazy. Like, that. that's a big part of that game and, and the advantage that a home team creates. And I think you've seen that in the NBA with the bubble. Like, there, there's... And that's less of a home yeah. field advantage, but like there was no home no. field advantage. Like, so it's just. Because I found it a little bit jarring even watching highlights, especially hockey, a little bit basketball, but highlights from when there was fans in the stands. You see clips now, and it's like, whoa! It, it yeah. feels strange. And I'm wondering too: is all these te- all these players and the players who have played in sports where they participated without any fans? How they're going to react when player when fans are back in? Because I think there's going to be an emotional, psychological like uh, adjustment when these players go back into arenas, even though they've played like that forever. But to have gone through this bubble experience and it being so concentrated, and that's all they did every single day, to go back to normal life in a normal season, I, I, interesting to see how. But some the guys NFL's not really—they're not in that bubble situation. No, but like, I guess more so the NBA and the NHL guys, and and how that'll sort out. Uh, yeah, listen, I'm sure they'll be happy to. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, while. And I saw the Nuggets coach today talking about how they just love the bubble life. <laughs> like, you know, they just don't want to leave. Um, you know, I, yeah, you don't want to leave because you're still playing and fighting for a championship. But what? how long have they been there for? Like 90 days? Like yeah, it'll be so, around that. Yeah. Some of these guys that, you know, didn't bring their wives and kids in, if they don't have wives or kids, like they, they haven't seen anyone in night. Like, so the, yeah. I'm sure – you know, yes, they like the paycheck, and yes, winning and playing is fun. But you know, I'm sure, I'm sure, everyone's probably had enough of the yeah. bubble. So uh, <laughs> hopefully, we can get back to normal here because uh, we need some NOL back in our life and some Toronto Rock. Yes. All right. Well, that'll about wrap things up for this uh, edition of Toronto Rock Total Access, Jamie. 
thank you very much for uh, joining me and uh, fill the fans in on what's been going on over the last few months. And we'll uh, hopefully uh, have some news to pass along to everybody, uh, some positive news uh, sooner than later. Thanks for having me, Mike. All right, that wraps up this edition of Toronto Rock Total Access. In the meantime and in between time, I am Mike Hancock saying we will chat soon.